Welcome to the Covert Narcissism Podcast. I'm your host, Renee Swanson. Thank you so much for joining us today. I have a really special treat for you today. This is an interview that I've been looking forward to for quite some time, and I think you are going to be so pleased that you take this time to join us today. Before we get to that interview, I want to tell you that June 1st is World Narcissistic Abuse Awareness Day. In honor of that, for the entire month of June, I am offering all individual sessions with me at a discounted rate of $99 per hour. We can meet once or we can meet as many times as you want. If you would like to take advantage of this offer, shoot me an email at Renee, R-E-N-E-E, at C-N-G, that stands for Covert Narcissism Group, C-N-G, lifecoaching.com. I also want to take a quick moment and remind you that my next round of group sessions is beginning on May 31st. I only have a few spots left in these groups. You can choose between Tuesday mornings or Saturday mornings. Each group runs for six weeks. We meet for two hours on Zoom each week. You receive handouts and worksheets each week. The groups consist of 10 group members who, just like you, are struggling through a relationship with a covert narcissist. It is incredibly empowering to work in a group setting where you receive so much validation for the pain, confusion, and doubt that you are experiencing. If you want one of these few spots remaining, please do not hesitate to contact me because these groups will fill up. You can contact me at the email I've already mentioned, renee at cnglifecoaching.com or renee at covertnarcissism.com. Now, let's get into today's episode. Welcome to the Covert Narcissism Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today. I have a special, special treat for you. It is my honor to introduce to you Debbie Mirza. She is a best-selling author of kind of the Bible of covert narcissism is what this book has become. And it's the Covert Passive-Aggressive Narcissist, one of the first books I read that really opened my eyes to everything that was going on in my world and really gave me so much clarity on what was happening. So she is a life coach uh, trained by Martha Beck and has worked with victims of covert narcissistic abuse in her past um, and is just such a, a joy to have today and such a delight to have you with us, Debbie. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, thank you so much for having me. So tell us, let's get started. Tell us a little bit about yourself, you know, something you would want my audience to know about you. Hmm, so much to say about oneself. <laughs> um, I am a very kind, I, I am the standard target for a covert narcissist. <laughs> We're going to talk about that actually today. Yeah. <laughs> Since that's the topic, I can come from that place. Yeah, I'm, I'm very kind. I'm very big hearted. I am all about peace and love and harmony and connection. And I am a big seeker of healing and peace and living a life I love and a seeker of myself and who I am and so much to say. Awesome. <laughs> I'm, I'm so highly... glad to hear all of that. And it does not surprise <laughs> me at all. So, so what inspired you to write books about covert narcissism? Yeah. Something I never saw on the life, my life plan, <laughs> like, like all of us. Um, I, yeah, I was in a 24 year relationship. And toward the end, like we all experienced, uh, unbeknownst to me, was the beginning of the discard. And it was a really turbulent, confusing back and forth 
intermittent reinforcement, like all of it time. Mm -hmm. Um, and it brought me to the place where I moved to end the relationship, which I never thought I would do ever. Um, and it was my divorce attorney that said, um, are you, have you, is this a narcissist you were dealing with basically? And I was like, really confused by that. I was like, no, you know, he's the nicest guy and, um, you would love him. Everyone loves him. And she said, yeah, that's how they are. And I was triply confused. And I said, why do you ask? She said, I'm hearing a lot of, um, classic signs. And I was so confused by that. She said, but she looked at me with her like fierce blue eyes, <laughs> piercing blue. And she said, I suggest as soon as you get home, you get a hold of as much information on this topic that you can, because you need to know what you're dealing with. And so I did that. And like so many of us, I read about narcissism and some of it rang true, but, but it wasn't like the full picture of what I had experienced. So through then many years of uh, researching, you know, on books and YouTube and online, and then going to therapists and going to coaches and trying to piece together what I had been through and what I was going through. I heard someone say the words I needed to hear, which was, it sounds like you were with a covert passive aggressive narcissist and they're the most difficult to recognize. So those were the, that's the piece I needed to then get the full picture. And even with that, at the time, there wasn't a lot of information out and even the information I would find some of it felt true and some of it didn't. Um, so yeah, it was, you know, and as you know, after the discard, the abuse doesn't end. So it continued for years later and, um, it was a few, I I don't know when, because the book came out at the end of 2017. So yeah, a few years um, after the divorce, um, I had a, I had a real, I received a really abusive email and I responded back. And by that time I was, I had gotten stronger and I, I was putting up boundaries. And I said, if I get any more of these abusive emails, I'm going to have to block you. And so then I received a really traumatic <laughs> fire hose of abuse basically. And it sent me into kind of a catatonic state where I was just numb for a few days. And it was during that time where I literally just sat and stared out my window. And I don't think I spoke for three days. And, um, so the third day I, you know, I had been, there's been so many tears, Mm so much sad, so much sadness, so much grief. And it started to turn to anger, you know, like a righteous anger. And, um, I started to think of all the other people. I knew I wasn't alone in this and all the other people that were going through this at the same time I was, and didn't have the information. And by that time I had learned so much, like so many of us, I felt like I had a PhD in covert narcissism. Yes, you get a degree in that when you thought you had a marriage license. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so I was talking to a friend of mine and I mentioned, I'm thinking about writing this and like I had a vision and everything. It was very kind of magical how it came together. And he said, you know, you've been to university, who's British, um, for... 24 years. 
I don't think you want to waste that education, wow. you know, and that, yeah, I really needed to hear that. So I, I took it very seriously and I cleared out my whole year of plants. And that was the only thing I was going to focus on besides, you know, taking care of my kids. Um, so that was, yeah, I ended up interviewing over a hundred people. Cause I didn't want this to be about me and just my story. I wanted to help people who had had all types of relationships with a covert narcissist. And I wanted it to be really accurate, you know, so I dove in even deeper and I interviewed more therapists and, um, just gained as much information as I could. Um, I went to this local support group and asked so many people if I could interview them. And I asked a million questions in the group, you know? And so, yeah, over the course of the year, that's how I wrote that book. Well, it really truly paid off and what a story, Um, but it truly paid off and how in depth and how accurate your book is. So Mm -hmm. all of that work you put into it, I I know I speak for my audience as well to say, thank you uh, for Mm -hmm. for the work that you put in, because it truly has been life-changing for so many people. Mm, thank you so much. That still brings me to tears. Like I, at the time I did not realize it's been validating to me to see the response and the reviews for the book, you know, cause even all of us go through our own doubts cause sure. it's just so crazy making. And so it, it, it's, it's like, I, by writing this book, I discovered there is a massively huge tribe <laughs> out there across the world. Yes. yes. <laughs> there are people who have gone through the same thing and, and to, to, and, and I read the reviews, like someone was like, didn't realize how much authors read reviews, but I no longer read the bad ones, <laughs> but <laughs> I'm really smart. But the, the, yeah, yeah. the positive yeah. ones, I still cry over. Yeah. Wow. That's amazing. And I, my Facebook group kind of started the same way in regards to, I knew I I wasn't alone. I knew there had to be other people out there that were dealing with this. I had no idea how massive um, the reach of covert narcissism really truly is. It is like a tribe and, and a a huge uh, amount of people that are suffering from this. So covert narcissism, you know, it's so hard to get a hold of. It's like, I tell my members all the time, it's like trying to catch a ghost. It's here one minute and it's gone the next because it's so hard to really grasp. And we cannot hear it enough times how different people describe it so that we can really register with that. So in your words, what is a covert narcissist? So covert narcissist, there's, you know, in the, um, in the description of narcissistic personality disorder, they give different traits and you have to have at least five to as for a therapist to establish if you're a co if you're a narcissist or have narcissistic personality disorder, a covert narcissist has the exact same traits. They're also someone with nurse narcissistic personality disorder, but the way those um, are revealed, the way those traits manifest, are in a very subtle, covert, insidious way. Mm-hmm. So much so that, and there's a spectrum of a covert narcissist. You know, there's very covert to kind of both covert and overt. You know, you can have or somewhere in the middle. Um, and the very, very covert ones, you can be with them for decades and not realize. And these people, 
are very beloved. You know, they have, um, they're very liked, they're respected in their community. You know, like if, you know, it could be a mom is the head of the PTA, it could be, a, you know, wealthy humanitarian, it could be a celebrity that I, my radar always goes up when I hear people talk about politicians or celebrities who are like, oh, whenever I meet them, they look me in my eyes and I feel like I'm the only person in there. It's like, uh oh, red, red flag, (laughs) right? (laughs) Run away. Yeah. Um, I don't trust that. And, um, I mean, unless you're with that person, you can feel it's genuine, but a lot of times that's a red flag. Um, yeah, so they're, they're really easy to miss and that's what makes it so crazy making. Cause you're with someone for so long, you're raised by them or you're, you know, you're with them in a marriage or partnership or a business or whatever, and nothing appears to be wrong and nothing even appears. This is the extreme covert. Nothing even appears to be mean about their behavior mm-hmm. because you've gotten so used to demeaning and devaluing and intermittent reinforcement and gaslighting, you don't see it, but instead over the years, your life force slowly dwindles. The light inside you slowly dims because you are now, I mean, it's really like brainwashing. It's like being in a cult where you have adopted beliefs about yourself that you didn't even, you weren't aware how you were being slowly brainwashed of month after month, year after year, that your self-image plummets. You don't know who you are. You can't see clearly. You don't have energy. You have all these health issues. You can't figure out you're tired all the time. You have low level, level depression, you know? So, yeah. So that's, I mean, a lot of the effects. So it's essentially the exact same as a narcissist, but an overt narcissist is more flashy and annoying and people roll their eyes at them. The world And they're grandiose. Yeah. Yeah. So the covert is like a, a cloaked version of that. Yeah. That's a good description. It's a great description. And it leads me actually right into my next question is victims of covert narcissistic abuse often feel like there's something wrong with them. They feel like that maybe they're, they're stupid for ending up with this kind of relationship or for not seeing the abuse sooner, or that they're broken, that they're the faulty ones because, you know, I'm the one that's, that didn't see this or didn't realize it. So they feel like something is wrong with them. Are there common mm-hmm. traits that you kind of introduced yourself a little bit in this way? Are there common traits for these victims of covert narcissistic abuse? Yeah, Definitely. Um, they tend to be very, um, trusting people, very kind and giving. I find a lot of targets are just have this innate desire to help the world and help others, Mm -hmm. you know, so we will drop everything to help a friend, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know, in need. And we are all about relationships and we're easy to work with. We tend to be very easy flowing. We're not into drama or conflict or, you know, like we tend to be gentle, kind, nurturing people. And that's what ends up working with and mixed with people who haven't learned 
strong, that they're worth boundaries, that they're, you know, worthy of boundaries, um, and haven't learned healthy boundaries in their life. And also don't really have a clear picture of healthy love, you know, so you, so you mix that all together and then you get with someone who wants to be the center of attention at all times. And so they will use your beautiful traits of giving and loving and nurturing, and they will play on your emotions and your heart to get you to always put them first. Right. You so, know. These, oh, and, so these are good traits you would say that are there for that. Oh moment. yeah. So they They're don't include traits, traits like they don't include traits like being broken or messed up. <laughs> no, not at all. And the other thing is we are usually self-actualizing people. Like we look at ourselves. If someone said we take self-responsibility, so that's where they can also manipulate that because if they're saying stuff about us, then we'll take it as like, oh, well, I'm always trying to improve myself. So let me look at this. Maybe they're right. Maybe they see something that I don't see, you know, instead of like someone who doesn't take personal responsibility and they can look at a person like that and go, the way you're treating me is terrible, mm-hmm. <laughs> you yeah. know? Yeah. yeah. So it's like the good traits that are in that beautiful person get used against them. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So is there mm-hmm. hope? for a victim of covert narcissistic abuse? Always. I think in many ways, and I call it this, um, it's our hero's journey. It is a hero's journey. It's incredibly difficult. Um, But I think, you know, looking back, just speaking for myself, my recovery and my healing process since discovering this, has completely changed me. It's something I could cry about very easily. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, I'm a very different person now than I was, gosh, for me, it's like eight years ago. Um, Very different. And um, I think it, it leads us, you know, there's, there's different stages we go through when, when we first, first is just discovering we've been through this and then it's just, you know, ravaging, like, I can't think of the word, just inhaling as much information as we can, mm-hmm. you know, and learning it. like mad people trying to research everything. we. Oh can. yeah, totally. And then after that, it's like, you reach a place where you're like, okay, why was I okay with this for so long? You know, not in a putting myself down way at all, but in a, in a purely compassionate what was it? What is it in me that believes that, you know, that something must have happened along the way mm-hmm. in my experience here as a human, you know, to make me think that I was deserving of this behavior. And so that, you know, then if you choose to go down, you know, there's layers of healing. And I think that's a, a really transformative layer that once we enter that, that leads us down an incredible path of self-discovery. And, um, and it's a very courageous path because it's going to bring up a lot of old wounds and realizations and, and it needs to be, you know, 
treated with kindness and slowness, you know, compassion and gentleness and everything like that, because what you, what we've gone through is a tremendous amount of trauma, ongoing trauma, which then creates complex PTSD and all kinds of things. Um, but yeah, so I think, you know, do people have hope? Absolutely. And I, I think even more than hope, we have a chance, depending on the path that we choose, to radically transform who we are and how we live in this world. I think that's a great way to put it and a beautiful way to put it. You know, uh, do victims, can they learn to trust again? Yeah, I mean, I think we develop a superpower <laughs> in a way because. I think trusting again, it's like becoming wise as to who we can trust and who we can't, you know, mm -hmm. instead of just, I used to be someone who just opened up to anyone. I was just, you know, and I wore my heart in my sleeve and then I still do. Um, but with people I trust, yeah. you know, I've learned to be, I don't have to give it all away. <laughs> so everyone it's, it's, it's those healthy boundaries. Learning yeah. Those healthy boundaries. Yeah. To so I think it's, you. yeah, it's learning, it's learning the traits, it's learning the red flags. And it's also learning to trust your own body and your own signals that are always telling us the truth, you know? So I think that's, it's not so much that we learn how to trust, but we learn uh, our own guidance and we learn wisdom around who to trust. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So your books that you've had so far, this is a book series, if I understand correctly. Mm -hmm. And, and the books that you have so far, the first one, the, the covert passive aggressive narcissist is a lot about awareness and understanding, um, you know, kind of identifying what's going on that psych, that psychology degree, you know, that, that people are after. And then the second book you've written is called worthy of love, reclaiming the truth of who you are. Um, fantastic book. It's focused on recovery and healing. Uh, one of the parts I love about it is you talk about cocooning. Can you tell us a little bit about cocooning? Yeah, definitely. Um, I'm in a cocooning phase right now. <laughs> I find I keep returning to it. I love um, the description. I love the, the concept. Oh, cool. Yeah, me too. Um, you know, talk about self-care and self-love. So when I, I'll use myself an example, but there's different stages that we go through in healing. And one of them I call the cocooning phase. Um, and that for me happened after I spent years studying the stuff and understanding and reflecting back and having all those flashbacks that we do and, and seeing it differently and, um, working a lot on that. And then I got to a place where I had to cocoon from the world, kind of going no contact with the world. <laughs> um, <laughs> I like that because <laughs> yeah, it all becomes too much. Mm -hmm. you know, it's for the body. It's, it's like, we reach a place where we, we kind of hit a wall where we just don't have it in us to relate to people, to go out into the world, to, we, we make our world, the cocooning phase is a really special time of being with yourself and kind of guarding yourself, putting up boundaries um, as far as who you spend your time with, who you talk to. So, mm -hmm. 
I made my world really small, mm-hmm. you know, for about a year. Um, and I just spent time with my kids and I would talk to my best friends on the phone who don't live by me. And, um, and I would go to the grocery store and I would drop them off at school. I spent a lot of time at home, you know, like my work is at home. So that worked out well. Um, but for those of you, you know, who work outside the home of just keeping who you interact with really simple. And when you get home, just, you know, taking baths, taking naps on the weekends, watching your favorite movie that makes Mm -hmm. you smile, lighting candles and incense and whatever helps you, you know, feel calm. So that was, um, I actually wrote my first book. A lot of people don't know this, um, during my cocooning phase and it ended up, I didn't know what the book was about. I just started writing what I felt like writing. (laughs) And by the end I thought, Oh, this is about becoming a safe place inside myself. So the book's called the safest place possible. It's a very gentle, like self-love book basically. Yeah. 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 A lot of, and and so this cocooning, it's a phase. It's not a permanent place of residence. It is. Yeah. It's definitely a phase. And I, and I would feel such strong emotions and I just learned to be with myself in my sadness and be with myself and my anger and just let it all come up, you know? Um, yeah. It's and then, not a phase to be afraid of. I think people sometimes get afraid of it thinking, Oh, I've become reclusive or I've become angry or I've become, but it's, it's a healing phase. Right. Yeah. A lot of times we can think something's wrong with us, but really it's, it just, makes sense. It's just mm-hmm. natural. It's listening to your body really. And then you get to a point where you just naturally all of a sudden feel like, you know what? I feel like calling this person up and meeting them at a coffee shop. I feel like I also spent a lot of time in nature too. That was so restorative for me. Sure. But yeah. I think it's so, a very important part. So mm-hmm. the other elements of you come back when it's time. Yeah. Yeah. Your body will let you know, okay, I'm ready. One thing at a time. Yeah. Yeah. Which is a good way also to learn to trust yourself again. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. Definitely. So the third book in the series. um, So what is that one focused on? Yeah. And I think it will be the third and final. We'll see. (laughs) (laughs) Um, This one I'm I'll explain without explaining because it's my process. I kind of have to like keep it incubated inside me. But it's a, it's a, it's an aspect of healing after these type of relationships that I think is ultimately the most important. And I would say I, this book has made me cry like no other book that I've written. Mm-hmm. And I so much I've I started writing it and then I found that it's like, oh, well, this is a different animal. <laughs> And this is asking me to completely separate for the world from the world. So that's why I'm in this cocooning phase. I actually uh, put out, I let people know I'm going into solitude for two months because mm-hmm. um, I feel like this is such a sacred topic that I, I really need to get quiet and listen. Um, I feel, I find when I write, it's a very, it feels like a, community effort with whoever's helping me, you know? So yeah, this one, I feel like I need to get rid of all distractions and just be with the book. So um, I'm hoping to have this one done by the end of this year. So we'll see. 
That's what well, I'm, I'm honored that you would take the time to speak to me and to, uh, you know, my audience and, and the world out there during this time of cocooning. And so mm -hmm. I'm very honored that you would open up, you know, that part of you to us. So thank you for that. You know, mm -hmm. uh, very much so look forward to that book. And I'm, be, uh, you know, my audience members, I'll tell you guys right now, as soon as that book is released, you will know about it. It will be out there and available to you guys uh, in any way that I can continue to spread the word, uh, Debbie, for the mission that you and I are both on. So mm -hmm. thank you so much, Renee. You're so welcome. So as we wrap this up, uh, how can people learn more about the work you are doing or that you have out there and available? How can they, how can they learn more? Yeah, the best place to find everything out is my website, which is debbiemerza.com, just my name.com. And I should say I'm not coaching right now, but I have created um, a few different online courses that help people with um, different aspects of, of healing from this and understanding it. And then, oh, something recently I didn't tell you is I in my, you know, in the worthy of love book, I have that chapter on rewriting false messages. Mm -hmm. So I took that information and I created a guided meditation to help people rewire their brain, um, and clear out those negative messages and putting in the positive, true messages. Awesome. So I have guided meditations on there too. And I have a bunch of stuff, so it's, there's a lot to kind of explore, but that's okay. the best way. Awesome. And there will be a link in the, in the show notes to this podcast, there will be a link to that website, you know, for, for all of you to go ahead and take a look at it. I strongly encourage it. I have gone through some of your guided meditations myself and they oh. are absolutely amazing and um, such a beautiful work. Oh, wow. I didn't know that. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Well, Debbie, thank you so much for joining us today. And, uh, and my members out there, thank you so much for listening today. It's just a pleasure to have everybody here. I wish you all so much peace on your journey of healing. I never dreamed how much I would actually enjoy podcasting. When it was first suggested to me, I'll be honest, I was a bit intimidated by the thought. But when I found Anchor, I quickly realized how easy this was going to be. Anchor provides me with the tools to record and edit right within their program. I don't need additional software. I didn't even need to know how to distribute the podcast because they do it all for me. I would not be where I am today as a podcaster without Anchor. It's all you need and completely free. If you are looking to get started, download the Anchor app today or go to anchor.fm to get started. Thank you.